Everybody knows that the war is over. Everybody knows that the good guys lost. Hello and welcome to the Omcast Grand Rewatch. My name is Dom. As one half of the Omcast, I'm joined by Tom. Say hello, Tom. Hello. So, we now live in a world full of sequels, prequels, remakes and reboots. We understand that sometimes life gets in the way and you're not always going to be able to catch up before a new one comes out. With that in mind, we're here to provide a weekly retrospective on some of the biggest franchises in cinema history, giving you a full spoiler rundown of each film in a series, including plot summaries, analysis and behind-the-scenes trivia. <laughs> this... <laughs> Shut up. This... This week we're doing a quick rewatch before Aquaman hits cinemas. So we we watched. You can say it. You can say it. I believe in you. You can do this. Truth and justice, Dom. Shut up. We watched Justice League. <laughs> all right. Yeah, we did. We watched it again. All right. Fine. All right. Right there. I said it. I said it. Sorry. Let me finish. We're watching Justice League, directed by Joss Snyder. I thought it was. I thought it was Zach Whedon. I don't care. It's one of them. Either, it's some hack like pointed the camera at some people and <laughs> shout out this. And they seem to think that it was acceptable to put out in cinemas. I don't know who approved it. I don't know why it was allowed. I don't know why I paid money to see it. I don't know why I'm sat here wearing a Justice League t-shirt right now. But I feel disgusted with myself. And I don't like it. I didn't notice he's changed into that. Yeah. Oh, mate. <sighs> You paid for that T-shirt, I presume. I was so hopeful. That's exactly that's the thing with this movie as well. Is that it's all about you know Superman and Wonder Woman in particular are these you know the whole point of their characters is they're beacons of hope. And then what this film does is just it takes your hope and it crushes it. It just crushes it. It's just I just remember watching it in cinema and just like the, just the sinking feeling as it started. Just like oh god oh no and it starts with that. Fucking awful shot of Superman on a shot on someone's cell phone. A child's cell phone. We need to interview you for our podcast. (laughs) Was that a direct attack at me? Is that what that was? Joss? Because clearly it was Joss because Henry Cavill's top lip is made out of CGI. So you know it was Joss Whedon. So, fuck. (sighs) Right, sorry, come on. You've got, you do the rundown or whatever you want to do. Right, I'm going (laughs) to... Okay, so this this episode, Tom's done a lot of background research and stuff. I haven't. I have a much more emotional reaction to this movie. Yeah. And you're going to notice there's going to be quite a contrast between the two of us this week, I think. I think there is. <laughs> but um, anyway, yeah, I mean, so you've attempted to do a rundown. I've attempted um, to. No matter what you've written, it's going to be more coherent than the film. Um, I don't know why I put a Q in the word coherent. Coherent? Coherent. Coherent. It will be more coherent than the movie. What you were in. So, please, by all means, tell us what the fuck happened in Justice League, because I don't know. Allow me to elucidate you all. (laughs) Tick. (laughs) You get a tick for that word. Readers, it's time. It's time to talk to you about a film. A film some of us had waited years for. A film some of us had held hope for. A film some of us thought would be the turning point for a doomed franchise. That film was Justice League. Our film opens with a cell phone video that Dom and I shot when we were younger. We asked Superman some questions for our podcast. 
the answers you will hear another time. <laughs> okay, so what I'm going to do here is I'm going to attempt to do some of this in the way that I imagine this film was written. Yeah. So I've written mine on an iPad. I assume that the actual script was written in crayon. Yeah. So bear with me. <laughs> Script. Script. Script, right? <laughs> so this is how I believe the screenplay went. We're in Gotham City, and the Hamburglar is doing robbing, and Batman fights him, and an alien arrives, and Batman and the alien have an argument, and there's a sound, and the alien doesn't like the sound, and Batman catches the alien in a net, and the alien explodes, and leaves a burn of three squares. The burglar then exposits a bunch of words about Superman being dead. Then we hear what is quite possibly the most downbeat song in human history over a very, very sad montage. Okay, it's terrorism time. We're introduced to some men in suits who are going to kill a bunch of people because they're reactionary terrorists, which is allegedly a thing. Wonder Woman then turns up and beats people up. Next, we're now in Coldland, and Batman goes to see Aquaman, because he wants them to be on the team. Aquaman says no, and Batman leaves. Next. Something about boxes. Next. Plain scene is boring. Next. Barry Allen visits his dad, played by Billy Crudup, in a fairly touching scene, and because it's a good scene, we're swiftly moved on. Next, we're introduced to Victor Stone, who is supposed to be dead, but isn't dead, but is a cyborg. He's very mopey, and is now an alien cyborg in his dad's lab. Next. Smash cut. Themyscira, home of the Amazons, where a cube is making sounds and a big tunnel of light opens up. Through the tunnel drops a big grey villain who talks to the box and calls it Mother. He speaks to it in a weird way. More of the aliens arrive before there's a chase, and the grey bad guy gets the box. Next, Cyborg is brooding in his bedroom and gets hand holograms which can hack everything because of the plot. Next, enter the Batcave. Wonder Woman gives Bruce a bucket load of exposition which I'm not going to get into because it's fucking stupid. Oh yeah, we also briefly see a Green Lantern because that's what the nerds want. It's Barry Allen intro time. Barry is weird and fun, which is definitely not going to get tiring. Wonder Woman is doing some hacking. Cyborg talks to her via subtitles. They meet and talk and something something. Now oh. it's time for some aqua exposition. Nice. And there is some. Next. For some bizarre reason, we're introduced to a Russian family. And the aliens are here now. And the grain man is doing something with some of the boxes that he's got. We're back in Cyborg's apartment. And there's an alien. Next. But there's hope. So in probably the greatest casting decision in all of the DC Universe, we're meeting Police Commissioner Gordon, played by J.K. motherfucking Simmons. So good. Oh yeah, also here's another another close-up shot of Gal Gadot's bum. Barry and Bruce get off a plane and Barry's stick has already worn thin. They meet on a roof to talk to Jim and then talk about the plot some more. There's a tunnel scene. Stuff happens. Turns out Cyborg has the other mother box. He just... Flies off and gets it. We're back in the Batcave, and there is a ton more exposition. And now they're talking about bringing Superman back from the dead. Next, Cyborg and Flash are now literally digging up the corpse of Superman while bonding. Broken charged. Apparently so. Also, we know that he's not dead, because in the last film, we were shown that he's going to come back. No, no, Tom, there is no last film. This film exists in a bubble. So they get the corpse. They get the corpse and they put him in what looks like a puddle of Lucasade in the spaceship from the last film, which was definitely in the last film. They give it an electric shock and Superman is alive, but he's lost his shirt, tie, jacket and shoes in the process. They now have a big fight for some reason and Lois is here in this film's equivalent of the Martha moment. FYI, 
I've skipped a bunch of crap at this point. Who cares? And it's time to be in Russia for the final showdown. Batman does a thing with the Batmobile to draw in the Parademons, and Purple Crystal Worms are there as well. We're back reintroduced to the Russian family again, who drive away in an American truck. The team fight back about against the... The team fight back against the Grey Man and his goons, and but just as everything seems lost, Superman arrives. He has a couple of small bonding moments with the team before they break the MacGuffin and save the day. In a very tidy clean-up, Bad Grey Man is overwhelmed by parademons because they feed on fear, and he's now afraid. Oh yeah, and they all go away in a boom tube. Everything is fine. The end. So I can only apologise to the readers, No, because no, Warner, as incomprehensible no. as that was for you to listen to we just spent two hours watching it again again I'd stepped away from this movie obviously we went to the cinema to see it um, which really came out what last year last November it was about a year ago yeah around now isn't it really um, and I haven't I've tried not to think about it since right it's painful um, you're pinching the bridge of your nose very hard I, so I have a weird history with these DC movies right so I was I'm an apologist is the only way I can describe it for these for the yeah. EU. I really, really wanted them to be good. Um, and I liked they were different from the Marvel movies. I sort of stood and defended even Batman v Superman, particularly the extended cut, which I do argue is genuinely better than the original cut. Anyway, and when this came along, I was like, right, this is it. They're going to get everything out. They're going to get all the characters together. Then halfway through, they had Joss Whedon took over. I was yep. even more excited. I'm like, yes, Joss Whedon. This is like fanboy wish fulfillment. I couldn't have asked for anything better than Joss Whedon to do the Justice League movie. Yeah. Joss Whedon, of course, who directed the original um, Avengers movie yep. and Avengers Age of Ultron. is like, if anyone knows how to do a superhero team-up movie, is it is this guy. But not only that, look what he did with Serenity as and well. And Serenity and yeah, just all the rest of it. All that, like, that sort of time. Because the biggest issue that everyone's had up till now is the tone of these movies is too dark. Yeah. And then, but because of what they did, and they started with Zack Snyder directing and then switched halfway through, the, the film that we've ended up with is this absolute mess. And it's like, from it's systemic, like from every element of it. Like the script, the characterizations, the biggest sort of glaring thing is obviously Henry Cavill and his... We, yeah, so we've got to talk about Mustache right, Gate. Right, so Mustache Gate is one of the biggest issues in this movie, from a visual standpoint at least. And it's the fact that now, because Joss Whedon took over and reshot all of Superman's scenes, it seems, I'm pretty sure every scene that he's in, he's got a CGI face, hasn't he? Yeah. So what that says to me pretty is that much, yeah. every single one of them that he's in was reshot. There's almost none of it left from what whatever that Zack Snyder shot with him before he drew a moustache. Yeah. It's not there anymore. No. So there are some... I think there are some things in there that you can... That aren't sort of grossly... Well, gross, to be honest. It's just... It's so weird looking and it takes you out of it. And then like, and then you combine that with some of the stupid things that he's saying. They're like, yeah. just are really out of character and, and off. And it just looks so wrong. Um, and the fact that the film starts with that as well. Like, you talked about that... that shot at the beginning where it's kids interviewing him on the podcast yeah that's how it starts and that's... it immediately is the most jarring thing and then from that point onwards you just get this sinking feeling in your stomach and you just go oh no this is gonna be really bad and it all just yeah <laughs> so honestly so when the first time that i saw this so when i sat down and that came up i went oh fuck 
Yeah. Because that's literally the first thing you see. Why would you start with that? But it's not just that. I mean, it's. I mean, we'll get to the other bit in a minute, but like seeing that as the first thing when you open this film, I get that they're trying to do damage control, and I get that they're trying to turn around the characterization of having this bleak, moody Superman. Yeah. But if it doesn't work technically, and if it looks bad, don't do it. Yeah, because yeah. that's that's the thing that people are going to remember, like the opening shot. So you look at these amazing opening shots that you see in films. The one that springs to mind immediately for me is Dark Knight. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, Dark Knight, but even like, I remember the, the opening shot of the Avengers is, is the yeah. is the um, Tesseract. Yeah. And the Marvel logo fades into it. And it's just mm-hmm. already, you're just you're all just sat there just super excited. Just like, <gasps> what? Like, exactly. Um, the opening shot of Infinity War. Yeah. With the spaceships and yeah, Kenneth well, Branagh calling it just, out, it, fa- it fades in, and you just hear everyone, the people going out. There's a stress signal coming out from the Asgardian ship. Yeah, but and that's this, the thing. Like yeah. these opening shots that people remember, and then Justice League just feels like, oh, let's just put that in there. But also, where does that sit as well? Where does that sit in the timeline? In the timeline, I imagine it's between BVS. It's after Man of Steel, before BVS, right? Because they they do try and make. So in BBS, they do have this big montage where he's going around saving everybody. There's like yeah. it's when they're having the Superman debate with Neil deGrasse Tyson talking about like how it changes the world. Yeah, and in that he is going around saving people. Now it's not played for levity and like look how great it is that he's saving people because Zack Snyder and it's all dark and serious. Yeah. but he is still going around saving people, being Superman. Yeah. So presumably at some point it, you see because it starts off with him shaking the hand of a firefighter. Yeah, and then the kids start interviewing him. And so it's not out of the realm of possibility that it could have existed in the movies that have come previously. Yeah, I don't think. No, it's, it's just a case. Point. I just think we haven't seen it because that's not what Zack Snyder's interested in. That's not in. with the aesthetic that we had before. No, no. It was all punchy, punchy, smash, punchy, punchy. Lots of collateral damage. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But it's okay because the um, the work day is done. So the downtown area is evacuated. Yeah. Um, they're on uh, Strikers Island. It's uninhabited. They go to Russia. There's no one in Russia, so it's fine. Apart yeah. from that one family, that one family that, Z- that Joss Whedon added in to represent all of humanity. Yeah. I didn't even get that that was like a representation of all humanity either because it's the family have no characterization whatsoever. No, th- but that's what I mean. By the the closest literally- thing that anybody in that family has to a personality is when the young girl pulls out a can of Ray from a cupboard because the parademons are bugs and we're yeah. going to really... We're really going to double down on parademons being bugs. They represent all of humanity in the sense of They've got to save the people, yeah. And they've got to like re- remind everyone that the reason they're doing this is to save the people because otherwise it's so far removed. And it's similar to like in the Avengers, there are bits where Cap goes in and saves a you know a building for the people, yeah. And it reminds so, you that it's not just superheroes fighting a bunch of yeah, but aliens. We, but what we also see in that is the rest of the characters doing the same. So yeah. Tony goes in and does it. Yeah. Thor does it. Cap does it. Black Widow and Hawkeye do it. Yeah. The whole lot of them are there saving people as well as trying to stop this yeah, apocalyptic and, and scenario. The, the other thing is now is that, that for whatever reason they have made this decision to have this final fight, which no matter how you slice it, is going to be compared to the Avengers because it's an alien invasion yeah, with a team of superheroes yeah. fighting it. And for some reason they chose to do the exact opposite of what the Avengers did, which is to have it set in a remote location with no people around. Yeah. And then obviously Joss Whedon came in and then manufactured this family to be there so there was someone for them to say and it's like i don't know why like i don't know why like they have to go out of their way like to make it's one of those things like everything suffers from being everything trying to be different from what 
the last thing was. Yeah. They have to make it as different as possible. And they can't have a B10 in the city because then they're going to smash the shit out of it. And do you know what I mean? It's just like... Yeah. You know, in fact, one thing I'll say about now. So the start of the film starts with a cell phone video, which is setting you up for things to come because you're immediately in the Uncanny Valley and you're looking at someone that you think is real, but you are feeling uncomfortable because there's this weird yeah. thing going on with his face. Just So that's like the opening slap in the face. Yeah, I mean, before we carry on, because... Um we just want to need to sort of explain why that that face is the way the face is. Yes. Because we know very well, you and I, but basically the re- what happened with Henry Hamill's face <laughs> is they filmed this film, Zack Snyder filmed it, and at some point, obviously, Henry Cavill, who plays Superman, he comes back from the dead, having been killed off in BVS, and they filmed scenes with him. There were scenes in the trailers. He looked you know, fairly normal. Um, yeah. They did keep most of it under wraps, like you never saw Superman in his costume or anything, but there was some flashbacks and stuff. Then Joss Whedon took over and did some reshoots, and when he came back to do the reshoots, Henry Cavill was busy making Mission Impossible Fallout, and for Mission Impossible Fallout, he'd grown a moustache. Yeah. Presumably, part of the reason he grew a moustache was to distance himself from looking like Superman. And then Warner Brothers went to Paramount, who made um, Mission Impossible, and said, right, we need Henry back to do some reshoots. Can he shave his moustache? And Paramount, being petty, said... No, he can't change his appearance. He's in his contract. Sorry, he's gonna have. You're gonna have to do something about it. I think Warner Brothers offered to pay Paramount for the cost yeah. of putting on a fake mustache with CGI, and Paramount still refused. And therefore, Warner Brothers had to get him back and then CGI off his mustache for all the scenes that he's in. And then that is why you can tell that all the scenes that he's ended up being in this version were the Joss Whedon scenes because in every scene he's got this weird upper lip and nose sort of area where it's clearly sort of CGI and then the rest of his face is like normal. Yeah, it and, looks, it look- and, and it is really uncomfortable to yeah, look at. Yeah, it's really strange. The whole really thing strange. looks really odd and it's it's one of those things that you look at throughout the entire film and once somebody's pointed it out to you... It's, it, but that's the thing, I don't think it even needs pointing out. Because people- the thing is, some of the scenes that I watched the first time and I was like, okay, yeah, there was quite a lot that didn't have it and then when I went back and watched it, because I've watched it in the interim. Why? Um, mainly, well, because I, I think one of the... curiosity? Yeah, yeah. Combination of that and... So if I see a bad film, sometimes I'll be like, you know, is it really that bad? And if it pops up on the movie channel, I'll be like, I might give it a go. And then I put it on and I go, oh, yeah, it is bad. Or, oh, it's not as bad as a hook. But when I watched it for the second time, I was like, so much of this is like weird computer face yeah it's but i swear to god it's all of it and like i know for a fact obviously zach snyder's shot some stuff with him um and there's one scene i'm speaking thinking of specifically that which they showed in the trailers which is when lois lane is having a dream about um clark being back and she walks out and there's this shot of the kent farm and clark is stood in the middle of the field wearing a red um plaid shirt which is a direct callback to the original Superman movie. And he stood there in the cornfield and he's like, and it, it looks amazing. Like it's really well, like the cinematography is amazing. Cause it's like, it's a sunset over this field and it looks great. And he turns around and you see him, you see his face. It's clearly there. Everything's fine. They then do a new version of that for the Joss Whedon film that ends up in the movie where it's clearly all just done on a soundstage. They're not in a field. Yeah. Clark, half of Clark's face looks like it's like completely made out of, plastic and they're talking bollocks like the lines they come out with is just like but they have no sort of oh she was like what 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 was being dead like 
itchy. And then, he's itchy. Like, oh, and then she's like, oh, why don't you come in the house? Oh, I've been, I've been in a small wooden box for months. You were dead, mate. It's like, I just got out of a little wooden box. Like, he makes everything a joke. That's what I dead. get. It's like, they, they say what you like about Snyder. At least, like, they were building towards some sort of, you know, pathos. Do you know what I mean? They had some sort of... Yeah. At no point were you aware of being in that box. Yeah. And, like, they had all this stuff going on with Lois Lane being very depressed and sad about it. And you've got Amy Adams playing Lois Lane, who is an Oscar-winning actress. Yeah. You could really brought something to this, brought some actual heart and emotion to it. And instead, that and Joss she's Whedon, reduced to apologising to him, yeah, for being for not, not being, being as strong. good as he remembers her so, being. Yeah, you would have been disappointed in me. And like the, one of the first things she says is, "You smell good." Yeah, and he's like, oh, I didn't before. No, you smell like a corpse. No, 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 mate. no, no. no, no. You're the love of your life. You've been mourning for like however many months, and has just come back from the dead. Like you need to really like sell that shit. That's meant to be like yeah. proper. That should be the core of the movie. That should be the, but instead they just turn it into a really weirdly muted um, return for Superman when he does come back, and it's just, it's just every, all the characters are bad, poorly served in this. I think particularly the ones yeah. who were introduced to for the first time. Yeah. So out of the three that were introduced in this, yeah, I think the most harmed by the whole thing was Cyborg, and I think Aquaman and the Flash were okay, but I don't think they realised where they could have gone with them. No. So they just made them really sort of flat. They were fairly generic. I mean, they tried really hard with The Flash to make him the quippy, fun... Like, he was supposed to be Peter Parker, essentially. Yeah, pretty it? much. They were trying to make him the kid who's quipping and all the rest of it. Yep. And it did get quite boring, quite... Well, not quite boring. It was good. It was fairly entertaining, but they never underlined it with any... Like, again, it's pathos. It's, it never had any yep. real like reason for him to be there, apart from that one scene with his dad. Yeah. Which was really good. It was really good. I remember thinking, "Oh shit!" Like that's what was weird about this movie is like there are moments where it goes, "It, oh, I quite like that," and then something horrible happens, and then they just smack you in the face with something ridiculous, it's like fucking stupid. Yeah, like there's a line that Cyborg says to his dad when he's like, "Oh, locked up. Oh, the monster's locked up here," and yeah. he's like, "You're not a monster," and he's like, "What made you think I was talking yeah, about it's me?" Like, it's weird that you thought I was talking about me. Yeah, and it's like that was and quite a good line. Right? Really, yeah, it's a really good line. But then they sort of just undercut it by him being like, just moping around the flat and doing weird hologram but hacking like, with his fingers. It doesn't make any sense. Like I get that he's moping and like he's been brought back to life. He doesn't know what he is and all the rest of it. It does make sense for that. But like what I would like to have seen for that is them have a character arc. Now what they what a character arc is is when a, <laughs> is when a character starts in one place and through the course of the movie because of the events of the movie changes his point of view now in this movie with cyborg towards the end he has a line where superman says i quite like being alive which is a fucking weird thing to say anyway but then cyborg responds by saying me too i'm like wait a minute at the beginning of the movie you were really fucking depressed and kind of wished that your dad had just let you die yeah so what's changed that would have been interesting that would have been quite a good character arc for a character like that to have, wouldn't it? To then have the point of this, by being part of this bigger team, he's sort of reaffirmed and accepted what he is, and then now he has a new sort of reason for living and all the rest of it. That would be a great character arc, but they didn't fucking do it. They no. don't care about any of that, do they? <clears throat> oh, God damn it. <laughs> but like, there's there's the bit that there's one bit in like the final wrap up when they're showing stuff like. Um... <laughs> So there's a bit in the final wrap-up when Barry Allen, the Flash, goes and sees his dad. Yeah. And he holds up a bit of paper that says, it's basically 
the lowest role that you can get working in a police crime lab. Yeah. And you're like, okay, Sick. that's good. He's got a job because they were speaking about that before. Yeah, And, that and is being a, big... a comic book fan, you understand that Barry does work in a crime lab. Yeah, and they'd already set that up earlier saying that he was going for a criminal law degree or something. Yeah. And the idea being is that he's trying to get his dad out of prison because yeah. his dad was wrongly convicted for killing his mum. And it's all part of the character origin story. So all those little bits yeah. are really good. Um, but yeah, and then they do another bit with um, they do a bit with Cyborg where he's like hanging out with his dad in the lab and then he yeah. does this thing and his whole armour changes which was a thing that there was a bit of an uproar on the internet because they're like that's not what he looks like he's not all this weird angly polygonal yeah. armour he's like he's like metallic muscle yeah because he's a cyborg and then they do that thing, and he sort of changes that, and he gets his little cyborg emblem on his chest. But nothing in the film, up until these last few bits that feel really thrown together, oh, yeah. show any sort of development throughout. No, and that's what I like, is that even that whole final piece is done with Lois Lane giving a, a voiceover. Oh, for fuck's sake. And it's about darkness. darkness no, no, darkness is not the absence of light. Sometimes we can come out of the other side of darkness and be lighter. It's like, are you guys trying to make some sort of metaphor for your movies? Are you saying that the last were really dark in tone, but now they're really light and bright? Is that what you're trying to say? Is it really subtle? Do I not get it? Am I an idiot? Go on, spoon feed me. Spoon me, feed me some more. It's like, look in the mirror. You're a hero. But yeah, and as much as, and as one thing that I did want to sort of, the, one of the things that we spoke about before recording yeah, was what we didn't want to do was like just like a two hour kicking yeah. of this film. And as much as to be fair, it kind of deserves it. Yeah, it does. What I'd like to do is so people, so our readers don't have to listen to us just moan. Yeah. 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 Fair enough. Is let's do a thing called here's what we could have had. Yeah, sure. So put the jingle in. Oh yeah. Well, we'll make up a jingle. Here's what we could have had. This was really bad, but look what we could have had. I'm going to edit that together. Um, so back in 2007, and obviously you can chime in as well. Don't let me just take over because uh, you know about, about this as well. Justice League Mortal. Yes. Right. Cool. So for the purpose of the readers who might not know about this, in 2007, George Miller, the creative behind Mad Max and Happy Feet. And Babe. Uh, Don't forget Babe. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Shit, yeah, I forgot about that one. Jeez. It's, that's such a weird... Yeah, I love George Miller because his films are so, like... Massive. so all over the place. It's like Van Max is the most fucking ultra-violent, like, yeah. crazy. And then Babe, Pig in the City. <laughs> and Happy Feet, the dancing penguin movie. Yeah, the animated. Yeah. So we've gone from gritty Australian road warrior movie... Yeah. ...to live-action talking pig... To, to animated, animated dancing, dancing surfing penguins mm -hmm. back to Mad Max. Yep. But so before, cool. Anyway, before he rebooted Mad Max, he almost yeah. did Justice League. So he so. almost did Justice League. Yeah. So basically, it was announced in 2007 that Warner Brothers were working on a script for it. Uh, the news came out around the same time that Joss Whedon, who we've already mentioned, his script for Wonder Woman was cancelled. And if you've never heard of that, I do encourage you to seek it out because it is truly spectacularly awful. Yeah. It is really bad. So what 
Yeah, I don't know anything much about Joss Whedon because I get confused with it. There was a few different um, Wonder Woman projects that never really got off the ground. Yeah. One of them was the Joss Whedon script and yeah. there was also a TV pilot with one of the actresses from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Adrian, yeah. Adrian Palicki. Yeah, and so and that was a, a TV pilot that never ended up going yeah, becoming a series. Yeah, they did like three or four test episodes yeah. and, it, and just it went never, to pilot and never carried on. Yeah, and then on top of that there was also this Joss Whedon script but I don't know anything about the Joss Whedon script really. I don't no. know. Interestingly, in a small world scenario, the costume that Adrian Palicki wore in the pilot uh, in the pilot was the one from Justice League Mortal. No, no, it wasn't. So the costume that she wore in that was used by a character in a TV show about a psychiatrist, uh, where a patient came in and believed that she was Wonder Woman. <laughs> so the costume was using that. The person that played the patient that came in and believed that she was Wonder Woman was Erica Gibrantz who played Lois Lane in Smallville. <laughs> so it's this like weird little yeah, small okay. world right. connection in there. Is that so is she the one who had the sex cult? No, that was um <laughs> that was Alison Mack. Right. And she's a terrible, terrible person. But yeah, so uh <laughs> <laughs> moving on. Justice League Mortal, as it was dubbed, was fast tracked into production with the intention of beginning production in two thousand eight before the writers' strike. So, so I'm trying to think of where we were at in terms of comic book movies at that point. Then, so Batman had just been relaunched with Batman yeah. Begins. So Batman Begins was out in two thousand five. Yeah, but this was before the Dark Knight. Yes. So it was, I think the Dark Knight is a real turning point for a lot of comic book movies, but particularly yeah. DC. Yeah. For um, sure. But that hadn't happened yet. So at this point, they were still work, working towards a Justice League movie. They also had. In 2006 was Superman Returns, I believe. Is yeah. That, yeah, so I Superman so. Returns, which was the Superman movie starring Brandon Routh. Yeah. Um, and that was basically, it was a flop. Yeah. In the sense of it cost a shitload of money to make and didn't make anything back. No. So they were still, that, you know, they, they were, they had one hit and one miss, basically. They were trying to feel it out. It was before the Marvel Cinematic Universe was even a thing. Yeah, and they started production on this Justice League movie where they were everyone rather than having like the idea of everyone having their own movie and then doing a team up movie hadn't even been thought about no. yet at that point. So they were literally just going to skip all that, do a Justice League movie, and they weren't going to use any of the actors from the from the Superman or Batman franchises as they currently stood. No, so basically what they were going to do was they were going to do the Justice League film as the uh, the starting point, and then everything was going to spin off from there. Right. So there were going to be Justice League films set as the centres. George Miller hired a group of fairly young actors as well because he said that he wanted them to age with the characters. They were all going to sort of spin off from there. But they, interestingly, they were going to keep the Nolan Batman verse separate mm. from this Justice League universe, which I don't know how that would have worked. So And then, yeah, let's talk about who's going to be who. So DJ Katrona. Yeah, he was the guy. I think he was in one of the GI Joe movies. Okay, um, and he's very much a sort of square jawed, okay, you know, dark haired, good looking guy. And yeah. he, he was going to be playing Superman, wasn't he? Yeah, right. And then we everybody knows who Army Hammer is. He was going to be playing Batman, and then a lady called Megan Gale was yes. going to be Wonder Woman. Well, she like she was ended up being in Mad Max. Did she? Yeah, yeah. So she was an Australian actress who obviously had worked with George Miller before, and she's like the proper like she looks like an amazon so yeah. i don't know how else to describe her other than the amazonian looking woman from okay. mad max yeah um i believe you first see her and it's when they they're running away with furiosa and they turn up back to furiosa's people and there's a woman who's just 
naked on a big like trap at the top okay at, on like on a stick at the top of the thing and then like the idea to lure people in oh uh, yes and then she comes down puts the jacket on and runs over that's her that's who oh okay she was going to be Wonder Woman oh man so, okay yeah. right so yeah that was Wonder Woman Common the rapper is was going to be playing Green Lantern particularly the Jon Stewart one for readers back home who aren't familiar Green Lanterns uh, there's a number of them there's yeah. a number of human <clears throat> ones there's Hal Jordan, there's Kyle Rayner, there's Guy Gardner, and there's John Stewart. Yeah, the two most famous of them, I think, is going to be is uh, Hal Jordan and uh, John Stewart. But in a lot of like the animated versions of the Justice League, it's John Stewart is the is the Green Lantern. Yeah. So he's actually probably the one that's more familiar to like kids. Pretty pretty much, yeah. Yeah. So the um, Kyle Rayner one is the one that I sort of grew up with. Mm. He was the Green Lantern during sort of the. Mm, 90s mm. to early 2000s how jordan was the original he's the original that, that's the character that well Brian if we go played. really really far back he's not the original no because that's a whole different thing we'll get into another yeah. time if they ever do make a green lantern movie again doubt it <laughs> um but yeah they that that green lantern movie that they did make with brian reynolds he was playing how jordan yeah so yeah so that was actually around the same sort of time that this was all going on mm. Um, Santiago Cabrera as Arthur Curry Aquaman absolutely no idea who that guy is to be fair no let's see if I can bring this up he's a Venezuelan actor Big Little Lies is in apparently never heard of it he was in Spooks he was in Judge John Deed Empire Heroes he played Isaac in Heroes oh shit yeah I know who that is so Isaac and Heroes was the guy who used to do the paintings. You know the one who he could paint and then oh, he could see shit. the future. Yeah, yeah, that was yeah. him. Okay. Okay. All right, that guy. All right. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Adam Brody was yep. going to be Barry Allen Flash, who at the time would have been very big from the OC. Yeah. I think. Um. And yeah, he's good casting for Barry Allen. That's that's good. That's yeah. Good shout, I think. Yeah. Pretty much. And then Jay Baruchel as mm. the lead villain Maxwell Lord. I'll be honest, I know nothing about Maxwell Lord. I don't know if that's a good shout or not. Maxwell Lord is like evil businessman. Okay. He's pretty much Lord Business from Lego Movie. President Business. So unfortunately, the Rikers. Unfortunately, the, the Rikers strike hit. Did I say Rikers again? Yeah, the Rikers strike. Oh, what a prick! It's Rikers Island. It's uninhabited. Strikers Island, isn't it? Rikers Island is the one in real life. I don't know. Okay. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, they're staying in. Yep. Uh, so yeah, sadly, the Rikers striker hit. But in that time that they were waiting on it to pass. Warner Brothers again then tried to fast track it as soon as it would have lifted. Mm. But unfortunately, there was a three-month delay yeah. straight out the gate. So I think, wasn't it the, the whole thing with the filming in Australia? Is that what caused the delay? I th- no, because that came later. Yeah. So there was this three-month delay, which caused all the problems. And then as they got started again, and everything started to get moving, all the cast flew to Australia. They were getting everything together. Mm. It was intended, as you say, to be filmed in Australia. Mm. So, yeah, if you want to shed some insight on that. Yeah, so well, the, the Australian thing was obviously because it was being made by George Miller, who is Australian. Yeah. Um, and the idea was he wanted to make it in Australia because he wanted to get a tax rebate. or There was there was filming incentives and you could get like a 40% rebate for filming in Australia. Um, and he saw it as a great opportunity. And since, like, ironically enough, since then, a lot of stuff does get filmed in Australia now. Like, Melbourne is huge for filming. Yeah. Like, Aquaman, a lot of Aquaman was filmed in yeah. Australia. Like, the Star Wars prequels, were all, a lot of them were filmed in Australia. Yeah. In the, because, again, because of these incentives. He wanted to do that. 
they didn't let him basically because there weren't enough Australian people hired on the production, even though most of the production crew was, and he had two Australian actors. So he had um, the Wonder Woman yep. and uh, Gale. Yeah, and then the guy who was going to play Martian Manhunter, who ended up be- also ended up being in uh, Mad Max. Oh yeah, he was Immortan Joe. Yeah, Immortan Joe Mad Max was going to be Martian Manhunter in this. Yeah, but anyway, it wasn't enough. There weren't enough Australians. They didn't greenlight it to be to get that incentive. So therefore, they had to move the production to Vancouver, and that again caused more delays. Um, uh, yeah, that sort of enraged Miller. Yeah, right. So he was pissed off about that. Then you had the writers' strike. And now I'm thinking about it, I feel really bad for the Aquaman guy because he, the writer's strike pretty much destroyed his career. Yeah, it did. Between, so, between, smashed it with heroes. Between heroes and um, and the, when he was going to be Aquaman in the Justice League movie, mm. both of which got completely fucked over by the... By yeah, because he left heroes early because he yeah, was he, killed off. He was killed off, but he, it's heroes, they could have brought him back. Oh well, yeah, they got, they got that magic magic blood. Or they maybe they killed him off because he had to go and do a movie. Yeah, that's that's the bit that got me, and I was like, "Oh shit, they, maybe they killed him off so he could do do Justice League." Oh, that sucks. Oh, no, <laughs> poor fucking guy. Poor dude. So, a quote from George Miller is that he was frustrated and stated that a once in a lifetime opportunity for the Australian film industry is being frittered away because of very lazy thinking. They're throwing away hundreds of million dollars in investment that the rest of the world is competing for, and much more significantly very highly skilled creative jobs which is true yeah because then they just sort of chuffed off to canada yeah and that is another sort of filming location that gets used to death like so much shit is filmed in vancouver yeah um particularly tv stuff like the basic again dc the arrowverse oh yeah the entirety of the arrowverse is up there vancouver all the um deadpool they're all yep. filmed in vancouver yeah a lot of the fox all the x-men all films, the X-Men films. um so yeah that's another sort of, and again probably because for tax reasons um, yeah so there's there are tax breaks in all different places like um like probably the biggest hub for filming in cinema at the moment is atlanta yeah in america yeah and they have that whole the the state of georgia has massive tax breaks for films that are in production there to the point that disney has its own office there Marvel has its own office there. Yeah. A lot of Star Wars stuff is filled there. A lot of like visual effects stuff is uh, done on all these sound stages, like they are in like Pinewood here, yeah. because they've got these massive sound stages. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. Following the move to Vancouver, filming again was then pushed back to July in two thousand eight, and the plan was to release it in two thousand nine, in the summer of two thousand nine, which is ludicrous. Yeah, of course it is. And can you imagine, yeah, and so, uh, so mid noughties special effects as well, doing, given what we know, because basically what we were then able to, if you research this even further, the script that was actually meant to be made for this movie has been, yeah. is released, it's out there, you can find the script for Justice yeah. League Mortal, and it's pretty ambitious to say it the is, least. yeah. Like, it's not something, it's not a low budget, like for a start you've got all these characters in there that all need mm-hmm. special effects. And they all need to look fairly grounded as well. Yeah, absolutely. And then they, they're going to have to fight. They have like the the obligatory army to fight. They're going to have you know, there's robots, there's cyborgs, there's all kinds of shit going on. Yeah. So it's not a quick thing. <laughs> like, yeah, that was never going to work. Yeah, definitely wasn't. And also, I think the final nail in the coffin was a little film that was released in 2008 called The Dark Knight. Yeah. Yeah. So The Dark Knight came out, and The Dark Knight is responsible for a lot of. Like in a weird sort of, is you have your cake and eat it too because you know you know we have slightly different opinions about the Dark Knight, but I love the Dark Knight. 
don't get me wrong, I still love it. Yeah. Um, but it's had this weird knock-on effect, though, even though we got that movie and it was great and it was this big sort of cultural moment, the knock-on effect that it's had on movies and the industry yeah. is, like, is not, for the most part, not been good. I mean, the first victim of it was Justice League Multiple. It said mm-hmm. they shut it down because they realised this wasn't the tone they wanted to go for and they wanted, they, they didn't want to step on the toes of what Christopher Nolan was doing and they, yeah. they wanted them to finish out his trilogy and all the rest of it keep him happy basically because he yeah. sort of said that he didn't like the idea of them having another Batman out there yeah. which would have been played by Army Hammer it would have con- which con- is fair enough which is fine so I think they went right he's made us a shitload of money with the Dark Knight keep him happy and also this, this movie's so, been delayed so many times it costs us too much money kill it kill it dead yeah and then there was the other the next sort of phase in it they'd sort of pottled along they made Dark Knight Rises which was obviously inevitable yep and then in the same year as Dark Knight Rises, the Avengers came out. Yes. And then suddenly it's like, right, we can't fuck about anymore. We need to have a united shared universe. Yeah, Sorry, that's... is there anything else you wanted to say? No, about no, 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 no. So I've the, my next sort of jump ahead was is 2014. But yeah. yeah, it is this whole sort of shared universe approach. Then it's, yeah, everyone had to do that then. Because Marvel, between, the, between tw- 2008 and 2012, they did this, it, you know, doesn't sound like a long time, but they did a fairly slow build up yeah. to get them to the point where they had the Avengers came out in 2012, and the four lead characters had all at least had one movie. In Iron Man's case, he had two. He had two, yeah. And they built their own universe, and it all fit and yeah. worked, um, which was obviously the opposite of what the the um, Warner Brothers intentionally wanted to do, which was to have a Justice League movie and a spin off from that. Yeah. Which and there's nothing to say that wouldn't have worked. No. We just don't know. It's like at the moment, all we know is the Marvel method. And we know yeah. that works. So they kind of try to replicate it, but also speed it up. Yeah. Basically, after the success of the Nolan trilogy, they decided that they were going to bring Superman back after the failure with Superman Returns. Mm-hmm. So they brought out Man of Steel. Yeah. And Man of Steel was fairly well received. Yeah. And, but produced by Christopher Nolan. Produced by Christopher Nolan. And written by David S. Goyer. David S. Goyer wrote and directed by Zack Snyder. Yeah, so the thing, I think the thing was the pitch for it, like before Snyder got involved, came out of a conversation between Goyer and Nolan. Yeah. He said, I've got an idea of how you could redo Superman. And so, and then when they were advertising it, it was like from the producer of The Dark Knight. That's how mm-hmm. they were like building it up as this new thing. Yeah. Um, and it was yeah. going to be like a grounded, like... Superman, and if you've seen the film, you know, it is like the whole learning to fly thing. There is like a big grand scope to it, yeah. And yeah, it came out, you know, it, was, it wasn't critically received, no, people weren't like falling over themselves for it, but it wasn't poorly received by any means. And no. a, lot, a lot of people quite like it. Um, I'm not a big fan of Superman, and I wasn't particularly attached to the film no. because of the end, yeah. Um, that was obviously the biggest issue that everyone had with it. Yeah, and then, but yeah, and then the following, that that was quite successful. It got to two thousand fourteen, and at San Diego Comic Con, I believe it was, mm-hmm. they announced that Justice League was going to be made. No, well, they announced. I think in, in fact, the Batman v Superman. They did it? Batman versus. So they Superman. basically just had. The, I remember the. I remember the reveal because I was, it actually got me quite excited at the time because it, it took years. Yeah, because they kept getting delayed. And they kept they originally it was going to come out and go head to head with the Avengers two I think wasn't it I think so yeah and then it ended up getting pushed and ended up going head to head with Civil War fuck yeah. yeah 
But Christ, it's mad that they came out in the same year. Yeah, Civil War and BVS. Jesus fuck. Yeah. Like genuinely, I ge- like genuinely forgot about that that yeah. they were in the same year. So obviously they were compared to each other because they're the, the kind of the same premise. It's two heroes at odds with one another fighting. That's the premise of the movie. Yeah. So like there's posters around everywhere, whereas Iron Man, you know, facing down Captain America, and there's posters everywhere where it's Superman facing down Batman, and they were like they were contemporaries of one another, but could not be further apart. Anyway, what? Yeah, what? So then, yeah, then um, like seriously, like that's kind, that's like actually throwing me for a curve because, like, I always think of BVS being way older than it is, no. and it really isn't. Two sixteen. 2016, they had that, and then they they also had in the same year, um, Suicide Squad. Last year, 2017, they had Wonder Woman in early in the year, and then Justice League. And then this year, they've only had they're only having one, which is Aquaman, which is what's coming out next week, which we're going to go see. So it's been it's been a crazy like they they basically they've just shoved everything in, and like they've done in all these they've done five movies, and of those five movies, only two of them are origin movies. Mm. Where they're just focused around one character. Yeah. They've done, yeah, so Man of Steel, which for better or worse, like, it's okay. There are issues with it. I think a lot of the issues with it come down to the writing and things that just don't make sense because David S. Goyer is a hack and shouldn't be allowed to write it. Anyway, um, the yeah. Man of Steel had issues, but then the, the most solid one they've had so far has definitely been Wonder Woman. Yeah. And that is because it's literally just been a solo story about a solo character and they were able to develop it properly. Mm-hmm. They had a Patty Jenkins directed it and they left her alone to direct it because I think this franchise is just like what could happen when studio interference goes horribly wrong basically yeah. isn't it um, but also like I know a lot of people tend to blame the studio for this mm. but one of the things that I would say as well is every time we, I've ever had these conversations about DC people are like oh you're just a Marvel fanboy I'm like no I'm a comic book fanboy Yeah, I've read comic books pretty much my entire life and the thing that makes me so mad about the DC universe or the DC universe is just the fundamental misunderstanding of the characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, that, and that's why, like, when there are little glimpses of things that you go, oh, that, they got that right. It's you sort of cling on to it. Like we're talking, you know, talking about Justice League, that bit with Barry and his dad. Yeah. That is spot on for the Barry Allen character. Yeah. And same with Wonder Woman. Like the Wonder Woman movie, they nailed it. That's exactly what the Wonder Woman characters are meant to be. Yep. But the two big, like, central characters of this franchise are Batman and Superman, and they didn't get them right. No, it's like they got Tony and Cap wrong. Yeah, the whole the whole thing falls apart. Do you yeah. know what I mean? If you don't get those central pillars right, mm-hmm. and again, it's it's it all comes back down to the Dark Knight because they were just trying everything desperately trying not to both replicate it. So in the case of Superman, they try and replicate the Dark Knight by making him dark and gritty and brooding, mm-hmm. which doesn't suit Superman. That's not the point of Superman. Superman's meant to be bright and hopeful. Yeah. It's the point. I, the I, I get, like, some of the stuff in Man of Steel, like, does make sense. It gives him pathos, like, when he's, like, he feels like an alien, an outsider, and all yep. the rest of it. That's fine, but you have to then have the hope in, in amongst it all. The, the idea is being that he, the, re- what, the reason that he's a hero is because he gets past all that and is still a beacon of hope. Yeah. And in this, in this franchise, they keep talking about him being a beacon of hope, but they never show it. They've never shown it. They never show it. He's never exhibited it. We just get told over and over again about what beacon of hope he is and how sad everyone is that he's died. Anyway, 
that what on one side and on the other side Batman because they just done they pretty much nailed the Batman story with the Dark Knight trilogy mm-hmm. they then had to make something as different as they could to differentiate it rather than just replicate it they had to go right well what do we do oh I'd, what about if we make him like older and he's been doing it for 20 years and he's all like grizzled and all that I'm like okay that's different yeah we can do that yeah and that's and that can be shown to work in some circumstances yeah but not really with Batman, because especially if you're trying to set up this whole but franchise. Again, yeah, so that, that's completely counterintuitive to what they're trying to do, which is to launch a franchise. Yeah. So if you're launching a franchise, and the guy's already been doing it for 20 years, then what? there are no stories left to tell. The idea, like, they make references and stuff to the, to the life he had before. Like, you see the Robin costume, and it's all being, like, graffitied, like, the idea being that the Joker's killed one of the Robins. Yeah. And he turns up in, in Suicide Squad, and he's, like, rounding all the villains up, and, like... So all these stories have already happened, and it's like, yeah. well, why would you start at the end? Like, yeah, so stupid. But yeah, and then so they did BVS, which was pretty much panned. Yeah, and then following that, they were like, we're gonna do Justice League, mm. and Justice League is gonna be two parts. Yeah, and it was that's the thing, and they continue with Zack Snyder. Yeah, that's the thing. Like they they clearly. You know, BVS had delays and rewrites, and like Ben Affleck came on board as Batman. And he asked for his writer, Chris Terrio, I think his name is. Yeah. He had to come on board and do some rewrites because that was like part of the deal. Yeah. Um, and the original cut was like a three-hour monster. Yeah. And like the 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 sum of the the whole of this film is not equal to the sum of its parts. No. But then, so that's the experience they had with BVS. So you think at that point they'd stop for a minute, reassess, yeah, maybe get a new director in, yeah, to to see it. To no, they just no. ploughed ahead. They just ploughed ahead and kept going. I mean, like I, they immediately started production on Justice League when when BVS was still in cinemas and yeah. they were still getting negative feedback from it. And yeah. that is why they've had so many drastic changes whilst it was still in production, and we've ended up with this fucking horrible Frankenstein monster of a movie. Yeah. Because they didn't just take their... You know, think about it. If, if you had such an issue, like when BVS comes out and it's critically panned and doesn't make, makes a barely the amount of money that you need it to make, mm-hmm. why would you not pause and think about it? And then even with Justice League, when Zack Snyder stepped away and Joss Whedon took on, went on board, they were like, oh no, it's still coming out in November. And like, yeah. are you fucking mad? Like, delay it for a year. Mm-hmm. Delay it for six months. So you've got time to maybe get the CGI looking not weird, but <laughs> honest, yeah. like. But they like I think there was a rumor where it was something like they had to get it out before the end of the year so that the executives would get their bonuses. Okay. They had to get. I think it was like they had to have a certain number of tentpole releases, right? In a, in a financial year. Fucking. And for that reason, they pushed it because they hadn't had like a Harry Potter movie out or whatever that year, so they needed a big tentpole. Yeah. And so they they just shoved it out. And it's just like fucking hell, and it came out like it's so fucking stupid because it, it it came out in November 2017. Yeah, and it came out just after Thor Ragnarok. Yeah, and just before Star Wars: The Last Jedi, and like the the difference in those three movies could not be like. No. I mean, in hindsight, I mean, one thing I would say is that putting it up against a Star Wars film is a big, big thing. Yeah, but but think about Ragnarok beforehand. It's being directed by a guy who is an indie director yeah. from New Zealand who makes comedies. 
and he's taken on a Thor film, and the last one was a bit weird, and what the fuck are we going to do with this? And then it came out, Everyone loved and it. just blew everyone's mind. It's, but it's crazy how, like... But there's so much change with it as well. Like, yeah. there's so many different people brought on board, there were so much changes, there were... And, and when people say about reshoots nowadays, people are like, oh, that's got reshoots, that's going to be in trouble. That's not the problem at all. Almost all films go back for reshoots. I, I tell you what is a really good example to sort of compare it to is um, Solo. Yeah. Both Solo and Rogue One, actually, but more so Solo, because Solo had a very similar trajectory to Justice League in production, whereby yeah. it had a directors. It had um, one of the guys. It was... Um, Lord and Miller. Yeah. Uh, Chris... Chris Lord. Chris Lord and Phil Miller. Yeah. I always get that mixed up. They were directing Solo, and then halfway through... The studio said we're not happy with you fired him and got yeah. Ron Howard in and we were all thinking having just had Justice League we were like oh god this is going to be a car crash it's going to be yep. like two two different versions of the movie and it came out and it's fine like Solo's alright yeah. I, not- I, I stand by it like I had a... my line about Solo is that it's really fun hmm. it looks like it's set in a Star Wars universe and it doesn't do bad by the characters yeah. except for one line um, <laughs> and it isn't a mess. Yeah, astonishingly, it's yeah. not a mess. And that is, so you compare that to Justice League, and like there was no reason for it. Like it says that it can be done. I guess is what yeah. Solo is an testament to is that even with the really troubled production and all the rest of it, mm-hmm. you can still pull it out of the bag. Yeah, but not this time. No, nope. uh, and yeah, Joss Whedon is not Ron Howard. That's what no, no. I think to a certain extent we should say about Snyder leaving the project. So as respectfully as we can be about this the initial statement was his um daughter had passed away by from suicide uh, which is obviously a horrible horrible thing that nobody deserves and if anybody is having that sort of issue then they absolutely should reach out and that was like the initial story that Mm. was sort of put out to the press about why he was walking away he and his wife, who produced the films as well, didn't really release a statement, didn't say too much, obviously. And then Whedon was brought on. But then following this, there were all these big reports about, about oh, why he's really left and what's happened here. And the rumour, let me find it, I've got a note here about it. Yeah, I mean, like you say, they... The situation with his daughter is sad, and I'd like, I like. I'm not going to sit here and have a go at Zack Snyder, you know. It, but what I will say is, if there is any truth to the, to the idea that he was fired, and then yeah, the studio, that's what I was going to say. And then the studio made out that the reason he left the production was because of his daughter. That's really fucked up. That's fucking awful. That is fucking awful. Yeah. from Warner Brothers, um, and underhanded, and yeah, just fucking disgusting and horrible. I yeah, hate that. I, I really hope that's not true. So it's basically put down here that the original... Yeah, so in May 2017, Snyder stepped down from directorial duties during post-production of the film to deal with the death of his daughter. Joss Whedon had taken over, who Snyder had brought... In fact, so yeah, Snyder had actually brought Whedon on to rewrite some of the scenes. Yeah, so he was already involved, is what they were saying. Yeah. And then um, he yeah. sort of got taken out from there, and then there was just costs all over the place. There was about um, Warner Brothers saying about this sort of twenty-five, thirty million dollars extra for these reshoots, which is about ten percent of the budget. Mm. Ah, okay. Here's this little thing: 
So the reshoots coincided with Cavill's schedule for Mission Impossible Fallout, for which he had grown a moustache, which he was contracted to keep while filming. Fallout director Christopher McQuarrie initially gave the producers of Justice League permission to have Cavill shave the moustache in exchange for $3 million. That's an expensive moustache. For how much it would cost to shut down production and then digitally fill it in. However, executives from Paramount Pictures rejected the idea. Justice League's visual effects team were then forced to use special effects to digitally remove it in post-production. There you go. So, one of the producers said about 80 to 85% of the movie is what was originally shot. There's only so much you can do with 15 to 20% of the movie. Whedon received a screenwriting credit along the f- of the film, alongside Chris Terrio, while Snyder received the sole director's credit. Um... Warner Brothers CEO, Kevin Sujihara, mandated the film be under two hours. Yeah, that's another thing as well. So that's why it feels so rushed. Yeah. And like, they, they said, no, it can't be, because Batman v Superman, like one of the criticisms of it was that it was too long and people found it boring. Yeah. And I think in Which this case, yeah. But in this case, given that you had so many characters to deal with and so much mythology to set up, I mean, we haven't even talked about Aquaman yet. And that's the whole reason for yeah, Joe. Yeah, no, shit, yeah, we haven't even gotten to <laughs> like, that. The reason we're watching this is because of Aquaman, and Aquaman's coming out next week. And they had to do, like, set up his entire backstory in this movie. And they had to do that, and The Flash, and Cyborg, and Batman, and bring Superman back from the dead, and Wonder Woman. And, oh, by the way, you have to make it under two hours. Yep. That's fucking nuts. Like, they, they, they set themselves up for failure so much. They're idiots, honestly. Yeah, fucking, for sure. Like, yeah, I blame the executives big time. So, here's another bit where they were saying about, um, in February 2018, it was reported that Snyder was fired from directorial duties after his cut was deemed unwatchable. Mm. But yeah, yeah but there's it's all so, very weird, isn't it? There's that's all I mean. these, like, weird things. That's the thing, like, there was a couple, of, it also reminds me a little bit of, um, Fanfulstick, which we've talked about. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Fuck, yeah. But what I mean by that is that the story behind the movie is more interesting than the movie. Do you know what I mean? Like, the story, like, what the fuck went on and how this happened is interesting enough in itself without the good the movies themselves in both cases both justice league and fantastic four are fucking awful yeah but and a lot of them and yeah there's the things i always come back to again that's those are again comparable is how different like the trailers are from what we actually got mm-hmm. like there's so many things in the trailers for justice league that just aren't in the movie yeah there's lines that aren't in the movie there's shots and there's whole sequences that aren't in the movie the entire tone of the film is different oh yeah and like the, the, like i remember the people do did like side by side shots did that, and they could see like this is when Zack Snyder was in charge this is when joss Whedon was in charge and the whole color palette's changed yeah particularly in the final sequence at the end he changes the whole look of the sky in the background yeah so it's now it's red yeah and it's like so it's like there's more color now rather than it yeah. being all gray and like the last couple of movies and it's just like oh, christ uh it's such a such a waste anyway i mean and it is it is a massively wasted opportunity because these are some of the biggest characters and most recognizable characters funny out there sh- funny you should say that whilst you were looking stuff up then i was looking something up as well so you say that they're the biggest most recognizable characters in, on the in the world particularly batman and superman yeah they are like those symbols in particular mm-hmm. are like known worldwide they've had their own movie franchises so you think that when they finally all come together, not only have you had BVS, you're also having this, and following up Wonder Woman, which was a huge hit earlier that year, Yeah, you think this would be smash it and be up there with some of the highest grossing 
superhero movies. Oh, it really wasn't. No, it wasn't. So, Justice League, this is according to uh, Box Office Mojo, doesn't break into the top 20 comic movies of all time. It doesn't even break into the top 30. Jesus. It's number 32 in terms of comic book movies. It's beaten by Batman 1989. Okay. It's beaten by... Oh, that made a buttload of money. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, all the Spider-Mans, Wonder Woman, Dark Knight Rises, Deadpool 2, which is an R-rated movie. Yeah. That beat Justice League. Yeah. Like, that's fucking mental, right? It's just like... And like, it's not like Deadpool is a, is a mainstream character like Superman. No, definitely not. <laughs> I mean, like, Days of Future Past, The Last Stand, Doctor Strange made more money than Justice League. Fucking hell. Venom. Venom not hasn't quite got there yet, but Venom at the moment is on number thirty-seven. Okay, out. so it's got it's probably going to outdo Justice League. This is worldwide gross. I'm looking at uh, so okay, dom- yeah. domestically. You're right. Venom has beat Justice League already, yeah. which is fucking nuts. Yeah, like <laughs> like Venom doesn't even have like because a lot of these obviously are part of the MCU and they have they build on one another. Yeah, but Venom doesn't even have that. Venom's just Venom. Yeah, yeah. Like, Venom's just you can sell the film off the back of Tom Hardy. Yeah, well, there you go. Now at least they've got Jason Momoa to do that for um, Aquaman. Yeah. So they're gonna make they're gonna make some decent money at least opening weekend I think. Yeah. So I think if we sort of finally, I think we've spoken a hell of a lot about Justice League. Um, looking at our runtime, yes we have. Christ. But yeah, if we finally get to where we're going to be leading to next week with Aquaman. Yes. So, Aquabro. <laughs> I mean, where do we begin? Um, He's a badass. Yeah. He talks like a like a redneck for some reason. Calls Batman by his name to a bunch of people. Yeah. Um, his eyes change colour from shot to shot. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, they change from scene to scene. You're like, no, no. Shot to shot. Yep. And you're right. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so it's Jason Momoa. Obviously, they made that casting decision way back. And he had that li- he had a little tiny little cameo in BVS. Yeah. Um, when... Wonder Woman found the metahuman files yeah. on a computer that all had their own um, symbols that had been designed. Little idents that had been made by the graphic design department. <laughs> At VexCorp, apparently. Yeah, and all the designers were then shot. Um, but yeah, so now we actually get a proper introduction to him. I say proper introduction to him. It's not really. It's He's not. Like, no. no. So he just, he, the first scene we have with him is when uh, Bruce Wayne turns up in the village and is asking about him basically yeah um, and again this is a scene that we saw a, a, another version of in the trailers and yeah was so like, this was in the, the yeah. comic con and it was like a lot more like I don't know grounded and more like really like I remember the inter- there was that bit where he just turned around and looked at him and just talk like that yeah and it actually felt like okay this is cool and then now it's not that now he's like he's cracking jokes with everybody and then he pick, picks Batman up and pins him to the wall and just like, and it's just weird. It's just really weird. He then wanders out and says, "A strong man is strongest alone." Yeah, and is... they, they, there's like forced brevity in there because Aquaman is. So in the comics, Aquaman is a pretty badass character. Yeah, like there are a lot of jokes around it. They make jokes in Saturday Night Live. They make jokes in The Big Bang Theory. They make jokes in everything about Aquaman. Yeah, like Family Guy, particularly. Yeah, always Family always Guy, The Simpsons. Yeah. But in the comics, he's always been a pretty sort of badass character. So in the 90s, they sort of gave him a bit of a, a new aesthetic. Is they that gave when he had like, the hook hand? So, yeah, yeah, which is prior to him having the water hand. Oh, God. Yeah, I, I advise you all to go out and look up Aquaman's water hand. The water does the talking. Uh, 
<laughs> but yeah, so, and then like in the 90s, he gets his hand cut off and he puts a harpoon in there. So yeah. he gets this like harpoon thing, and which is cool. And he's got the long hair and he's got the beard. And he's like this tougher sort of guy, a little bit more extreme as everything was in the 90s. Mm. But then they, they introduce him here. And I think they really heavily rely on it being Jason Momoa. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Like, he's not... I think in this movie in particular, I don't I don't know what it's going to be like in his own movie. Mm. In this, he's not playing a character. He's just Jason Momoa. Yeah. He's just Jason Momoa wearing an Aquaman costume. Yeah. And carrying a... Not even a trident. A quad, quadrant. Quident. Quident. Um, but that's like, it. Yeah, apparently on set they were calling it a quint dent, which is a silly name. Yeah. It's another it's, stupid thing they did. Yeah, another stupid thing. But yeah, with the so he's got the quadrant, which is um, what he uses in the comics now. He doesn't have the harpoon hand anymore. That was retconned out. Um, and then there is a trident that is used in the comics as well, which I think is going to happen in the film. Yeah, yeah. But there's this weird thing in this entire film where exposition is just dropped in big chunks yeah. at a time. Yeah, So and particularly with Aquaman. And then, yeah, Aquaman gets two. Yeah. So he gets one where he just, he go he rescues someone, drops him off at a bar, takes some whiskey, and is badass about it, throws it on the floor because littering's okay if you're the king of Atlantis. No, because they're, they're playing a um, White Stripes song. It was really cool. Oh, yeah. And then disappears into the waves, swims down, loses a mother box, then has an argument with Mira. Yeah, but... That's the thing. So I wrote this down. It's like, I, they have a weird, yeah, because of the fact they're dumping so much exposition, it almost feels like they're meeting for the first time. Yeah. And they, for all I know, they might be. I don't know. Well, no, like, none of us know. She literally just goes like, oh, right, you're the son of Queen whatever. And he goes, oh, right, yeah, well, my mother just left me on my father's doorstep and didn't give a shit about me. Yeah. And she says, oh, she t- your mother took me in and raised you. It's like, what a saint. And like I see, I feel like they don't know one another. Yeah. And he's just learning all this about her, which means that obviously Mira is going to be a big character in the Aquaman movie, and their relationship is obviously going to be fairly important. Yeah. So well, she's a big deal in the comic. Yeah, well. yeah, yeah. She's the Princess Mira or whatever, isn't she? Yeah. She's a massive deal. But yeah, they just really rush. Like, first of all, they have the aesthetic of the scene, which is that to have the conversation underwater, she has to push all the water away. Yeah, which they completely abandoned that for the for the Aquaman movie. Apparently, it's what James Wan said. It's yeah. just everyone keeps asking me about how they're going to talk. They're just going to talk, all right, underwater. This is, yeah, they're going to they're going to open their mouths and words are going to come out. That's it. I'm not going to like. I'm not. Gonna, it's a stupid idea that these people who are supposed to be like mermen or mer women or whatever who just mer live, people yeah live under the water then have to get rid of the water if they want to communicate with one another. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. And it's like it's a comic book universe. They open their mouths and words come out. Get over it. Yeah. Like, um, but yeah, like they have this whole conversation. It's like it gives you so much exposition in such a short period of time, and it says like it would have been your mother's duty to go up there and fight for the the, the surface world or whatever. Yeah. And said so now it's yours, and he goes, okay, yeah, okay, and leaves. Okay, he says okay, but I'm gonna need something from you first, and then that's when he gets the quadrant. Quadrant. The quadrant and the armor that he wears for the rest of the movie. Yeah, and that's it. But then, but then, oh, don't don't forget. There's the the um the funny one. Oh, the lasso. Are you talking about the lasso scene? Yeah. <laughs> so there's a scene when they're flying to the final battle, which I dismissed because I couldn't be asked. Um, 
and they're talking about, oh, we're going to do this. Are we going to bring Superman back? Oh, no, they're saying about, oh, you know, are we going to do this? We're probably going to die. And then he just just dumps all this exposition out about, oh, he doesn't care if he'll die because it's a good way to die. Uh, and then he starts saying about, oh, I never really embraced the under the sea well, just or on the land. I've been alone in my whole life. I don't want to die. Blah, blah, blah. And then he points out to everyone in the team. And he's like, you haven't got any powers. You're going to die. You're going to die. Don't know about you. And then he gets a bit gross with Wonder Woman. Yeah. And then it's like... It turns out he's sitting on the lasso of truth. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, I get it. That's probably the most weeding thing that's in this film. Yeah. But come on. You can find a better way to add some character development. Yeah, probably. Rather than just make a stupid joke about it. Yeah, I mean, because there was so much speculation about what the Aquaman role was going to be. Like, there was all this whole thing about... Because in the previous movie they'd set up, they had this whole thing with the... Um, in Man of Steel, there was the uh, terraforming um, yeah. machines. Yeah. One of which was in the Indian Ocean. Yeah. And then they in the next movie, it opens with the kids diving down to that yeah. and finding the kryptonite. Yeah. So I thought there were all these rumours going around, all, like, fan theories, I guess, where it's going to be Aquaman's pissed off because of the the damage that has been done to the ecosystem because there's a crashed Kryptonian ship in the middle of the fucking ocean. Yeah. Which would have been an interesting thing to explore, but they don't bother with any of that either. They're just like, they just bring him in and they go, right, well, Aquaman's a boring character. How can we make him cool? Get that cool guy from Game of Thrones. Yeah. Get that guy. Get that guy in, first of all. And he looks, and he, one thing I would say, he looks great. Yeah. As, as a character. So Jason Momoa is mixed heritage. So, yeah. His heritage comes from like a lot of different backgrounds. So he's got some sort of first people of America in him. He's half Irish and half Hawaiian, yeah, I believe is yeah. how he sort of identifies himself. Um, and he does like a surf, a lot of surfing, a lot of activities. He's got the sort of t- tattoos similar Mate, to how he does in real life. And to make the character relevant and sort of and bring get people on board with it, perfect they, choice. They've done they've done a good job. Like, I can't yeah. argue with it. And yeah, going forward as well, looking at like the trailers for the new one. They do get him in his comic accurate suit. Yeah. And it does look fucking awesome. It looks fucking great. So, yeah, fair play. And that's the thing. Like, I'm looking forward to going to see Aquaman, but there are some reservations that I have. But we'll get into that next week about what we thought. But with this, I just I just wanted a little bit more. And yeah. it just felt that this whole film just underserved its cast so yeah, much. Yeah, again, I think it comes down to that two-hour thing, doesn't it? Yeah. The fact they had to get it in two hours. Um, but also they're worried about so much about spectacle. Yeah. And like this could have been so much more effective if they'd have just like we said with Creed too, if they'd have spent just a little bit more time developing characters, just a couple of minutes here or there, just a conversation here or there. That's not gonna yeah. put the the brakes on hard in the film. No. Well really I mean honestly what they really should have done obviously is is the this movie like as it as it stands doesn't work basically because they, they should have done the individual movies. Like we should have had the Aquaman movie before this. Yeah. The only reason Wonder Woman works in this movie is because we've already had a movie with her to get to know her. Yeah. And they call back to that. Like they make a point of saying Steve Trevor. And yeah. I know a man who would have loved to fly this and all that. That makes, that has more impact. And it has more like resonance because we've just had a movie with her. If they did the same thing with The Flash and the same thing with Aquaman and the same thing with Cyborg, then the whole thing would have worked a lot better. And you might have been able to make it a two hour movie. Yeah, and have it be just balls to the wall action because you've spent all the time previous setting up the characters, but because they haven't done that, they have to waste all these vital minutes that they're trying to get a like action scene together, telling, giving you exposition, explaining who all these people are. 
Yeah. And it's just like, it's a fucking train wreck, isn't it? It's and they like just mess around with so much shit in there as well. Like, they keep bringing back, like, Miles Davis. Is it Miles Davis? Dyson. Dyson, sorry. Yeah. Like, Miles Davis is a trumpet. Yeah. Trumpeter. <laughs> is he? He's um, a trumpet. He's yeah, Miles Davis is a is a trumpet, but yeah, like they they were saying about Miles Dyson, like Miles Dyson's in this film, and then there's a bit with, like the janitor, and then there's a bit in the tunnels, and there's a bit with Commissioner Gordon. Like I love the bit with Commissioner Gordon. Yeah, and again, like totally unnecessary. Yeah, but again, like the so you talk about Miles. We keep calling him Miles Dyson, which is a bit unfair. And to find out the actual actor's name, he's the guy he played Miles Dyson. No, he's Miles Dyson. He played Miles Dyson in Terminator Two. Um, and they brought him into this, and he's playing the um, cyborg's dad. And yeah. the idea being that he created the cyborg just like he created the Terminators. So it's a nice little bit of fan casting. Yeah. Um, Joe Morton. Joe Morton yeah. plays Miles Davis. Uh, Miles Dyson. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's another bit. So they in in the trailers and the early trailers and all the stuff that was coming up before, they were gonna show the full origin story of Cyborg. They had. Yep. images of him wearing his letterman jacket and he was like he was normals before the accident they had they filmed an entire football match an american yep. football match where it was going to be gotham versus the metropolis in the football match yep, yep. his mum was in the crowd then they have an accident his mum dies and then the guy brings him back to life. and then yeah so that was a whole origin story that was going to be yep. part of this movie and they cut it for time but again like it's just wanton inconsistency throughout this that we see in the video files that Wonder Woman watches in BVS, we see Cyborg being treated by his father, and he's on this board, and he's got like one arm and like half a torso. Yeah. And then we we see it in this, he's got one arm, his entire torso and crotch, and then he's just got two robot legs and a robot arm. Yeah. They 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 change how much of him is still human. Yeah, how much from movie to movie, and they like, and, and just, he refers to it as his armor, yeah, rather than what he is now, which that, yeah. is a cyborg. And, and again, not no disrespect to the actor Ray Fisher, his name God is. no, he God does, no. does a really good job, and this is like his first major movie. Yeah, so fucking fair play to the lad, and like, good on him, like yeah, yeah. because he absolutely deserves it. Because like everything that I've seen with him in interviews and everything that I've read about him in press. Seems like genuinely a really great guy. He's like he's, really has earned this opportunity. He's really excited to be there, and he's got like all his t-shirts says "Borg Life" on them. Yeah, and like he's really, really into it. Got and really into the training. Got into really good shape. Really dedicated him. Him and Ezra it. Miller are like real tight. Yeah, which is cool. They're good buddies, and then they just totally, totally fucked him over. Yeah, and like I think Ezra Miller was really well suited for this film as well, and did good out of it. Like he was like a bit of a like an indie champion. Yeah before and then he sort of came into this and it's Jason Momoa like really really breaking into the mainstream like he's been in other things yeah but some of the stuff that he's done is like either a bit B-movie-esque or has been in independent or yeah. Game of Thrones well, Game of Thrones was obviously his big biggest most watched thing and then yeah. in term, but in terms of movies yeah this is where now and between this and now Aquaman yeah. he's a movie star yeah sure. um, and yeah that, and that's a big transition yeah, um, and that's the thing. Like, one thing I would say about Jason Momoa as well is that I think the casting is so good because if you if you look at some of the stuff he does on social media, you know, he loves being at sea and he's really into the environment and, he, and he's really passionate for causes and stuff. And mm. yeah, he always seems to be having a good time, even if things are a bit rough. And, that's that's the thing. And that, I think that suits mm. a superhero to be like that. It does, but like the, the, that also reminds me about how you can say the same stuff about Henry Cavill. 
Yeah, Henry Cavill is just a really cool guy, and he's yeah. like he's a better Superman in real life than he is on screen. Yeah, like, fuck you know yeah. I mean? Like he's yeah. just the coolest. Like like and his dog's just, called Kal El, obviously, and he loves it, and he loves playing the character, and he and he's been just served such a shit hand. Yeah. by these movies, and we see a glimpse of him like when we get finally Superman comes back, even though he's got the weird face. The version of Superman that we get right at the end of this movie is the version we all wanted. Yeah, the suit looks great. The suit really pops. He he's fun. He's fun. He's, he has a laugh. He wants to smile. He's super powerful. He's really powerful. He goes out. He saves. The, he swoops in and saves the day. Picks he's up like, a oh, I can't do this right now. I've got to go and save civilians. Yeah. And you're like, that's perfect. Yes. If you didn't look so weird faced, because everybody else had fucked this up around you. Yeah. And what's really sad also, is that it, he's probably not going to get this opportunity to no. be Superman again. Yeah, and, and in the brighter way. No, and the, and the annoying thing is as well is that it is what we wanted, but it does feel so massively out of place and out of t- out of character from everything we've seen previously. Yeah, it, they didn't earn it. No, like if if the idea was they were going to build, um, yeah, if they were going to build up to him becoming the ideal of hope and all the rest of it, but they never got to it. They never. No. I think the fundamental thing is there should have been a big gap between Man of Steel and then BVS and Justice League. There should have been like years in between where you had all the solo movies and during that time superman is out there being superman yeah and he's becoming the beacon of hope and he's out he's like and then therefore all these other metahumans are starting to come out of the woodwork Mm -hmm. and then maybe you could still tell the bvs story where it's like dark knight returns and batman goes after him yeah potentially but like they made batman the the antagonist again he's his character is completely different in this movie than he was in the last movie and it makes no sense. Why is he cracking jokes? Batman should never be cracking jokes. Like, like, Batman I... makes the joke once every now and again. What I love about Batman is that he's always on. And that when he does say something every once in a while, people are like, was that a joke? Yeah, exactly. That's what it should be. Or And they won't even do that. Or somebody will laugh and it'll be like, nervously laughs. Yeah, exactly. Because, because it's Batman. Batman is scary cra- as fuck. Yeah, exactly. And they, they that's the biggest sin of this movie in particular for me because I don't think he was even that badly served in BVS but in this movie they fucked Batman like big time and they just they made him he was rubbish and it was just like I want, going in I wanted him to I liked it the fact that he was older and like they were going to have that, that interaction between him and Barry Allen I wanted to see more where it's yeah. like he's the grumpy old man and Barry yeah. Allen's like the bright young kid who's really excited about everything and Batman's just like all grizzled and world weary but that's great because it's a contrast yeah like do you understand contrast character arc like these are things they do in films not what you made which was a fucking car crash sponsored by everything mercedes apparently sponsored by both gillette and mercedes <laughs> the irony of it being sponsored by gillette as well yeah I know. like I love it. there were gift packets out at christmas last year whilst this film was being dragged through the media for what happened to Henry Cavill's face, they were selling packs of Gillette for Christmas, the best a man can get, branded in Justice League packaging. With Superman on the front. With Superman on the front. (laughs) I think one day there will be a good Justice League film. Yeah. I hope so. Yeah. This isn't it. No. No, absolutely not. Because it deserves it. The characters deserve it. The heritage, the history, everything about them deserves much better think, than music video director Zack Snyder. I, th- I feel like, the, but I know. I, what I will say in Zack Snyder's defense 
is that he yeah he's a great visual storyteller and if you give him the, a good script mm. he can make a good movie and he can make a comic book movie i'm thinking about uh watchmen yep so i i think a lot all the almost all the problems with all all three of these movies actually uh man of steel bvs and justice league come down to the script in terms of i don't know how much it influence he in terms of he he sets the aesthetic and how things look well to be fair though he's the director he has control over everything in that true but like the buck stops with him true but like he didn't like fucking anything up in terms of watchmen did he he didn't no. go in and like go in Zack snyder the shit out of it do you know what i mean he made yeah. it as a faithful comic book yeah. adaptation and like um 300 yeah so i do understand that when he was brought on to do man of steel he was a great choice to do so yeah but what they didn't do was make something that was directly taken from source material no. there was 300 and watch no, were it, almost shot by shot yeah it was taken from a david s goyer script and therein lies your problem and it, no, fuck it. Let's not let's not carry on. Otherwise, we'll be here for another hour. Yeah, but yeah, this probably won't be the last time we talk about Justice League. I don't think. No. Um. I so think, there are more DC properties coming out. Yeah. So I think we'll at some point we will do more. We'll dive deeper into the DC movies and decide, dissect them one by one. Kind of. This has kind of been like more of a a DC special. I think you could probably call this. Yeah. Um. With a focus particularly on Justice League. Yeah, I think um, this is this is a Justice League thing because. As we spoke about before, when we were saying about this episode, you know, it would have been nice to have been able to really deep dive into Aquaman, but it's just not there. No, there is, yeah, there's no setup for the character. I mean, and the only thing we can do, I suppose, is when when we are talking about Aquaman next week, is compare them to the other DC movies. Yeah, um, and I think the biggest comparisons are going to be Wonder Woman and yeah. Man of Steel. Yeah. So, and the question will be: Is it as good as Wonder Woman? Is it better than Wonder Woman? Do you know what I mean? That's yeah. That's the kind of question we're going to be having next week. Yeah. Um, but for the, in terms of the character himself, there's not a lot of material out there. No. Yet, which is you know they should have done this first and then done yeah, Justice definitely. League. But anyway, we've <laughs> we've said that enough. Anyway, so we've kicked this film. We've spoken about the other Justice League film. We've spoken about the production. Um, if there's anything that we've missed, or if you you know want to let us know or give us any feedback, then you can get us at the Omcast Pod on. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Yep, oncastpod.gmail.com. Yeah, and we, we you can find us anywhere, basically. We're on Spotify, we're on um, iTunes, iTunes. We're on most podcatchers. Yeah, pretty much anywhere. Um, we shouldn't be too difficult to find. Yeah, um, a lot of the time we sort of hang around outside your house. <laughs> we just record what you say and stuff. It's quite fun. You know, we make our own little audio plays about it. True. Um, and I know we keep saying this every week, but if we, if anyone's out there who feels so inclined to give us a review on iTunes, yeah. that would be massively, massively helpful. Um, obviously, we're just starting out at the moment, um, but that would be like in terms of the way the algorithms work and stuff. The iTunes ratings are really important. Um, so if you could give us a, a decent ish, just give us a five star one. Yeah, I mean, ideally. five starfish review <laughs> and <laughs> fish puns. Right, next week when we're talking about Aquaman, I'm gonna keep. I'm gonna. Like keep a tally of all the fish puns because you want to make so many fucking fish puns. And I'll, I'm already. Of course I am. Fight me. Fight me for fish puns. <laughs> no, I feel like we have to come up with some sort of forfeit or something because I'm not going to allow you because it's going to be there will be so many. And no I'm chance. Or, like I'm already sick of it. Like all the like headlines and stuff for like and the um, reviews is like is Aquaman a splash or is it a damp squid and like, all these fucking stupid. I was like, oh, God. I think he might be a ray of light. 
oh fuck off no it's like every time a Harry Potter movie comes out it's like every every single time someone describes it as spellbinding I was like for fuck's sake there's been ten of them now stop it come up with any other word like magical oh did you call it magical because there's magic in it well done where'd you get your journalism degree you prick oh sorry anyway you can find us on iTunes or your normal podcatcher but please review us it's really important like a rate and review subscribe if you feel so inclined as well yep yeah, stick with us. It'll be nice to just listen to us forever. We're going to be doing this until one of us dies. Yep. So, and yeah, so, and then I'll probably carry on after that. So, you've said that a couple of times now. You're scaring me. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for listening, guys. We appreciate it. Um, and we'll see you next week when we'll tell you whether Aquaman is worth going to see or not. We will. We'll <laughs> tell you if it's making waves or if it's a real <laughs> damp squib. Fuck you. Could be a wet fish. Ugh. Well, of course, all fish are wet. Are they? Are they really? It's an existential question, Dom. Oh, shit, that's going to stay with me. I know music. Um, I know when, when Ryan... Um, Ryan... Fuck it, what's his name? Seagrest. No, I keep on saying Ryan Reynolds, but it's not Ryan Reynolds, it's the other one. Oh, shit. Gosling. Ryan Gosling saved jazz. That's a good joke. <laughs>